Welcome to the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. My name's James White, and I'm on a mission to help business owners and sales professionals all over the world get incredible sales results. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. So this podcast episode is exactly for you if you are fed up of being ghosted on sales opportunities and losing deals that you think you should have won, but then didn't win. Now, let me be very honest and very blunt with you. If I had a pound for every time someone said, I'm going to win a deal and didn't win a deal, I would be a trillionaire, not just a billionaire. No, I joke. I wouldn't have that much money, but I'd have a lot. I hear so many people saying, oh, we were doing so, so well, and we had this deal happened, and they just went quiet, and they ghosted me, and they were, and it's all these other reasons. And I was actually speaking to a, uh, a company last week who I'm actually just signed up to do some business with. We're going to do some workshops. I do some workshops with them where we're going to help them um, work some plans out. And they were asking me, and they said, well, I did everything right. We did this, and we did this, and I went in and did this, and I'm like, okay, I can tell you why you've lost the deal. And they were like, how can you tell me? I'm like, it's what I do, it's what I know. So um, let me give you the 10 reasons as to why um, you lost the deal. And I'll go into it in a very brief way. Uh, I'm not going to cover it in, in long details because otherwise it would be an hour-long podcast and you'd be bored and falling asleep, but I don't want that. But what I do want you to do is to just pick up on these points and make sure when you're doing any form of sales deal that you take these elements into account. So the first thing is this. You didn't do enough research and planning about the deal itself. What do I mean by research and planning? Someone says, oh, there's opportunity. And you said, okay, great, there's opportunity. And went headlong into doing the opportunity and thinking all about all the things you can do with it, whatever else, rather than doing a bit more digging and research. What's causing the project to come to fruition? How long has it been going for? Um, who's involved in it? All those questions around the opportunity itself and what's brought you to that place and that time. You didn't do enough research and planning. And as in that, that great quote that says, you know, poor planning prevents, or piss poor planning prevents perfect performance. There you go, the five Ps. Piss poor planning prevents perfect performance. So the reality is if you don't plan stuff effectively in deals and you just go headlong straight into them, you're going to, chances are, waste your time and energy. So the first thing is do some research and planning. Dig a little bit into find out what's going on that brought them to that situation. You're excited. Great to have the opportunity to work. You really like to talk to you about this, you know, the, the, this, this opportunity you're bringing to me. Can I get a bit of information about what's got you to this stage? What's prompted you to look at this now? Tell me a bit more about what's created the brief for you or the project for you. What's driving you to get to that point, et cetera, et cetera. Those elements of research and planning are critical. Point number two, and this is a really easy point, but a simple point, you didn't convince the right people. And if you did convince the right people, you didn't involve the right people then in the process. Deals are generally lost because we uh, are talking to the wrong person or we're talking to someone that we think is the buyer or the decision maker, but it turns out to be someone else. Or we haven't understood that in the overall process, there are other people involved in making the decision. And when it comes to then making the ownership of that decision, if you're key person that you thought was going to be the decision maker is actually happy for someone else to own it, they're going to let that person, you know, they're going to be subservient to that person, let that person drive it, and they may have their own agenda or their own thoughts. And the reality is you have to convince the right people, whether it's uh, at a large organization or small organization, whether it's the partner of a, of a, fa in a family in, in a family relationship or the wife or the husband, it doesn't matter. You've got to convince the right people and all of the people to make your deal go forward. I've lost count of amount of times people said, I'm talking to someone, they're going to work with me. And four days later, they've said, actually, they don't want to do it because their partner has said no. 
partners, in business, directors, whatever, you have to convince the right people. There is a way of doing it. Watch some of my videos, listen to the podcast. There is a method of doing it so that you can get everyone on board. But if you didn't convince the right people, that's why they, they're going to ignore you because they'd rather ignore you and just go quiet than say, oh, yes, sorry, Darren, yes, um, I was wrong. I wasn't the right person to make the decision. It wasn't, I, I'm not that important, so therefore I, I couldn't do that. They are not going to be in that position. They'd rather ignore you than, than try and show that they're not important. Convince the right people is key. Point number three is this, you didn't uncover pain. I've said in a previous podcast episodes, pain follows P or POs follow pain. And if you didn't uncover the true pain by digging and probing into what was going on with that buyer, you are not gonna get the chance to win business with people. Ultimately, if you've got toothache, you wanna go, and by the way, I said, man, I have a bit of toothache actually, I might, if any good dentist out there, let me know. But if you've got toothache, then the reality is you are gonna wanna get it fixed. Now, my toothache isn't actually that severe at the moment, but if it starts to get more and more severe, and I have actually spoken to a dentist who's told me potentially quite a big piece of work, hence why I'm sort of leaving now, I'm going to be like, oh God, how am I going to get it done? It's going to be a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of work, but I'm going to have to get it done because I want to get rid of the pain. You get rid of pain when you're fed up of it and you want to solve situations. And if you don't uncover what the true pain is, and by the way, your buyers won't tell you straight away. They're not going to say, hey, no worries at all, James. This is all the pain I've got. I've got all this pain here and I'm struggling here and I just need someone to help me. They're guarded. They keep things to themselves. They're a bit nervous about sharing that type of information because they feel like they're going to be taken advantage of. It's our job to dig, to probe, to be curious, to understand what's going on so that we can really get behind their world. So first, so the third point is you didn't uncover the true pain. Fourth point is this, you were up against it from the start. You were a pawn in a game. You were one out of three quotes that they had coming in of which they never had any intention of choosing you, but they were always gonna choose someone else. How do I know this? It is the case. It happens a lot in certain public sector tenders, happens a lot in business tenders where people put a tender out. So I was getting excited. I'm like, actually, what's more important is to who created that tender, which company's behind it. How do I know that? There was an organization a few years ago that I was doing some work for and I helped them create the tender. So when that tender went out, I knew that the things they were asking for, things I specifically could do. And therefore I was in a position to know that chances are that even though they had other people quoting for it, I was in the pole position to win it. If you can't find out who else is involved in the tender or the process with you, then that should be a warning signal for you because it might mean that you're just wasting your time. You're just a pawn in the game. You are collateral damage in the sales world there. And we want to avoid that being the case. So ask questions such as who else have you asked to quote for this and what made you choose them and what made you want to speak to us as well? And uh, tell me a bit more about those guys and, and who else is in, you know, what's going to be the key to making the decision, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you're just not there to make up the numbers because if you are, it's going to make you feel crap. You're going to spend a lot of time doing and things you're gonna get your hopes up and what for nothing because you didn't have a chance in the start number five you weren't a good match they wanted you know they wanted a you were a c and the reality is even though you tried to look that you just weren't a good match uh, and i see this a lot companies will message me and say oh we work with coca-cola and we british airways and big companies I'm, like, I'm not a big company so why are you talking to me about that i have no interest in what coca-cola do in that respect there chances are it's not going to help me i want people that are similar to me people we are human beings we like to follow the crowd we like to feel like we're safe and am i going to feel safe in engaging with someone if they've done work with a fellow sales trainer or training company i'm like hey, okay well they get my industry they get what it's about they seem like a good match for me because they're the similar size or similar type of business. 
But if you're not that, and you're, and of course you want to try and upscale and go into, uh, you know, work with companies that are bigger than what you do right now, but be serious and sensible about it. You know, if you're going to try and, if you're a small two, three person company and you're trying to quote for a four million pound tender to, to deliver something across the country, it's not going to work. You're not a good match. Unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, unless you have some sort of unique technology or system or solution that means they have to use you, they're probably going to see you as too big a risk and therefore you're not a good match for them. And it's going to mean they're going to ignore you and, and, and not going to consider it. Just be a bit cognitive. I'm not saying you should be defeatist, but just be realistic about who you are. Um, point number six is that you couldn't outline your true value. You people buy what your value is. They see the value of what you deliver and they make a decision on whether they think it's worth paying that. I have a blog called The Value Gap. Search for it. It talks around the value gap in a buyer's mind and how you've got to make that value gap happen. And sometimes the buyers don't see what you do as valuable enough and that's just the way it is. Sometimes they do because you've given that insight and to make them realize how important what you do is. But that value and what you do, and the value is the difference between that, sort of maybe that 10, that 15% difference in price that's going to make someone go, yeah, it is a bit more, but it's worth paying for. It's worth it. They, they, you know, I'd rather pay that bit of premium to get that quality or that service or that deliverable. And if you haven't been able to outline that value and what it really means, you're going to lose deals and you're going to lose opportunities. So be in a position where you can outline your true value. And sometimes that's about being self-reflective. I've just done a piece of work with a client at the moment where we've been really reflective of looking at where they are in the marketplace why are they losing potentially some deals to other people and it's half the time it's because they're in a different space they're, they're positioned in one end of the market and the other people at that other end so what are we doing now is we're actually saying to sometimes to people hey we, we may not be for you because we offer this quality solution and you're looking for a low-end cheap solution so make sure you understand your your true value so point number seven is uh, you took the wrong actions at the wrong time. Sales is very simple. It's about what you do and how you do it. And so many people, unfortunately, just, excuse my French, fuck that up. And they basically end up saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. They end up um, pushing too soon. They end up not probing enough. They, they ask the wrong question at the right time. They didn't train their brain to be able to respond in the right way. They panicked. They, uh, they, they, they flew rather than fought. So many things happen around the wrong actions at the wrong time. Well, it was the right action, but it was the wrong time to do it. So the wrong time to ask for the deal or to ask for the opportunity or to, to engage with a buyer or to do something. And the question is, when is the right action at the right, when is the right action at the right time? Um, experience is a really good test of that. Or hire a brilliant sales mentor who can show you what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And by the way, I know one. Point number eight is this. They didn't use emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence or emotional sales intelligence is one of the most critical factors you can have in sales and selling. It's based upon five key criteria about self-awareness, self-control, empathy, motivation and socialization. Daniel Goldman created it. It's a brilliant concept and it's how so many people around the world engage and, and do things together. And those elements around self-control, learning when to shut your mouth when you should have, you know, rather than talk, self-awareness, rather than you pitching and talking at people, you notice that they weren't particularly interested, they looked disinterested and you, you pull back or you really have the ability to think like them and you're empathetic. Did you have emotional intelligence? Did you really get inside the shoes of the buyer and think like them and go through those other elements and be able to look and look yourself in the mirror and reflect on your skills? Because if you did, okay, great, that's going to be important. But if you didn't, if you lost a deal, it could be the fact that you just, just didn't do that well enough. And as a result, they just didn't feel they could connect with you and build that relationship. So that's point number eight. Point number nine, you just didn't make an impact enough. You were a bit meh. 
you're a bit so-so. You just didn't make that difference. You know, I say to people, you see five apples with four red ones and one green one, which one do you notice more? Sometimes when you're in a pitching situation or a deal situation, we have to think innovatively. We have to be a bit different. We sometimes have to be very brave to try something that's a bit new. So maybe you just didn't make enough impact. Maybe you were presenting, there were five of you and you were just very monotone and very boring and it just didn't make an impact to people. And the way we deliver and we talk about proposals and we come to life is critical. Maybe you were just your text, it was just too text heavy or just not engaging or interested enough. Not sure, but it could be one of those reasons. If it is, unfortunately, it's what's cost you in this situation. Key thing is don't make an impact for the sake of it. I once knew someone that used to come into meeting rooms with a pink t-shirt and on a Vuvuzela, and I think most people thought he was a prick, being honest. But the reality is, yeah, make an impact, but make an impact in the right way with a focus on the buyer and what matters for them and how you can make a difference in their world. It's going to help you win that deal. And the final thing, point number 10, and I'm left the last one to the most important thing. When you're doing proposals, people are going to look at your proposal. They're going to generally, I'm going to bet, yeah, I'll probably bet my mortgage on this. In 99% of proposals, the first thing someone's going to look at is the price. So you've given them the proposed information. And if you haven't addressed the money issue well enough, you are probably going to lose. Because if you haven't, and, and what do I mean by this? And I've seen this myself. I've been guilty of it myself, where I've talked to someone, had a great conversation, it's all great, whatever else, but I haven't mentioned the price for what I want to charge for my services. And as a result of that, I've then sent them something, and guess what? Oh, oh, tumbleweed, it's gone quiet. The reality is, if you don't address the money issue well enough early in the bid, in the bid or the, the deal process, and get comfortable on that, and know that they actually feel comfortable with that, so remember the, the elements we've talked about, understanding the reactions that you're seeing from the other person, then your chances are you're going to just be up against it. Get that comfortable figure. Get comfortable talking about the investment that people are making. Typically, clients are investing between this and this in my service. How does that feel for you? Get comfortable with it. Make sure you're able to address money well enough. Because if it turns out that you know they're in this position and you're in this position and you can't make that work, hey, you're better off to know that than spend all the time and effort doing proposals and presentations and everything else and then find that they're going to go straight down to that proposal bit, go, oh, too much money for me, thanks very much, and go away. So those are the 10 reasons why I think you lost the deal. Uh, tell me what you think. You think I'm right? Let me know in the comment sections. Let me know in the, in the podcast comments. I'd love to know your thoughts. If you think I'm right and you think, bloody hell, this guy knows a few things about sales and I think he could be useful for me and my business or my sales team. Hey, I'm here. Let's have a chat. So I always finish off with these podcasts and I'm trying to be quick and snappy with these because I'm conscious you've got lots of things to listen to. You've probably got a video to watch of a cat or a, uh, a video to, to listen to of someone doing something incredible. But I'll finish the story off with an incredible story of a lady called Marie Benton. I always do podcasts uh, with inspirational stories. Marie was a, a force behind the choir with no name and she empowered homeless people. And that's the real area that I have a lot of passion and, and commitment for. She was working for a charity when she realized that, you know, there's a sense of community and friendship that could be gained from joining a choir. And she posted a choir of, uh, posted a flyer with the choir with no name in some homeless hospitals. And four people turned up to the first one and they literally had some great times together and they carried on singing and they built that relationship and affinity together. And they've now got choirs in all over the UK here um, where we're giving people with tough times the ability to sing their hearts out and they try and help generate friendships and help people achieve success. And nearly, nearly 7,000 people have sung in those choirs and enjoyed some meals and some times together afterwards. And I think that ability to impact people's lives, no matter how shit they're going through their life is going through, 
yeah, she's making people feel special and important. And to me, that's an inspirational thing. I'm a big believer. Can we make other people feel important and great? Can we make them smile? Can we make them feel happy? If we can, we've done our job for the day. I hope that that inspiration is going to have that ripple effect to do great things for others in the future. So that's it for me again this week. That's the 10 reasons why you lost the deal and an inspirational story from Marie Benton. I've loved sharing some ideas and thoughts with you. I hope you love the podcast. If you have, I'll see you next week. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. If you have, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps us ensure more people can get the insights and ideas they need to get incredible sales results. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.